Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas, where there's a lot to talk about today with the elections, most of them being over, for the most part in the state of Texas. I don't know about the rest of the country. A lot still going along, going on, excuse me, a lot of people discussing, you know, where the Senate's going to be, where the House is going to be. But we have a pretty good idea of how things are going to be in the state of Texas. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll also talk a little bit about our gala. It's tomorrow. If you're watching this live, it's on Friday, November 11th in the Dallas area. If you want to be a part of it, there's still a limited opportunity. I think until two o'clock, we're going to allow ticket sales and then it's going to be cut off and we're just about sold out. So hope to see you there. But we're going to have a great conversation, a timely conversation about the issue of life, how the elections have played into that. Uh, where are we now as far as being post row four or five months and, and I couldn't think of a better person to talk about that than our guest today, Mark Lee Dixon. He has a tremendous amount of work that he's done on the life issue for many years here in the state of Texas, but also across the country. Mark, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Great to be here. Well, look, it's good to have you on the show. I don't think you've been here on the show with us before, but you did speak at an event that we had earlier this year, and you did a great job. I know uh, a lot of your work is getting throughout the state of Texas, also in other parts of the country. Uh, but originally, your work started and has been with uh, East Texas Right to Life. And then you've branched out into other, wor um, other work um, with the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn. And then that's branched out into other states. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in pro-life work um, and what you've been doing prior to the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn effort here in Texas. It it paused just for a second there, but uh, it's great to be here. And of course, the Sanctuary City effort started in Wascom, Texas, and that was because an abortion facility was crossing the border, and we wanted to do everything we could to make sure that that was was stopped. And so uh, we had heard a rumor. We wanted to do something. Uh, we reached out to the mayor. And he said to expedite an ordinance, which would accomplish that goal. And we were looking at that ordinance and uh, that we had crafted and we knew that we needed help. So we reached out to Senator Brian Hughes uh, while I was at uh, Chick-fil-A one day. And uh, a lot of great things happened at Chick-fil-A. And of course, uh, <laughs> then at, uh, he introduced me to Jonathan F. Mitchell and the three of us. Uh, ended up um, talking about what could be done to to make sure that this ordinance in Wascom actually worked. And, and that's when the private enforcement mechanism was put into the ordinance. We saw Wascom pass, and now uh, we have quite a bit of cities all across Texas and uh, in many other states across the nation. And so well, and I want to get into a little bit more detail about that, this concept and effort, the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn. But uh, tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about yourself and some of the pro-life work that you've been doing prior to this effort, as well as the organization that you've been a part of their leadership. So Right to Life of East Texas has been around since 1976. And my grandfather was very involved in the organization. And so growing up, my parents would take me to the Gregg County Fair and my grandfather would have a booth in the exhibit building. We always knew we could catch him at one of two different booths. He was either at the 
Gregg County Republican Party booth, which he was the county chair for, or he would be at the Right to Life of East Texas booth. And I remember seeing these small fetal models uh, there at that Right to Life East Texas booth, and that had a great impact on me. And I remember holding one of those and thinking, at one time, I was this small. And right. that's hard to believe, isn't it? It's wild. Absolutely. Well, and I imagine your childhood might end up being similar to, to my kids because that's, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. I have to drag them. I take them to a lot of events from time to time where they've been um, a part of different events. And one of my sons has been a part a little bit more of doing some pro-life work on his own at his school. And so it's been nice to see him take that himself and decide to do something with it. But I imagine that shaped things a lot for you. Uh, you know, look, the Texas, uh, the state of Texas has been important for the life issue since 1973, if not before that, right? We're the state that the Roe versus Wade case came out of, right? So a lot of always attention, but it always seems like a state, if we were able to vote on these things, would largely be pro-life, but the Supreme Court took that out of our hands. And then they gave it back to our hands, if you will, earlier this year in June. So, uh, but recently, I don't know how long it's been going on, a couple of years or so, you've been involved in this effort called the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn. Tell us um, what it is that you ask for cities to do and the impact that that has on the pro-life movement. Well, my encouragement has been for cities to pass ordinances outlawing abortion within their city limits. You know, if an abortion facility moves into a community, it's not our state capital's problem or our nation's problem, it's that community's problem. And so we need to make sure that the, our communities are led by leaders that share our convictions, our beliefs and values, that our leaders are not going to allow abortion in our communities. And we saw this at one time happen in, in Athens, Texas, where in 1968, when abortion had been outlawed in the state of Texas, there was a guy by the name of Curtis Wayne Boyd, who was the county health officer. And people turned a blind eye to 10,000 illegal abortions happening in Athens. And so we absolutely need people in leadership that are going to follow the laws of our state. And if we can do more by passing the local legislation that reinforces that even in a post-row world, then we need to, to do that to make sure that our communities are safe. Well, in about how many cities in the state of Texas have passed a ordinance to establish a sanctuary city for the unborn? 48 now. Wow. Yeah, and, and I haven't done an accurate count, but I was actually doing some work recently looking at the breakdown in the state. I think there are about 1,500 states individually, excuse me, 1,500 cities individually in the state of Texas. Obviously, many of them are much larger, but 48 is still a, I mean, that's still a significant number, right? When you think about uh, some movement, right? You think about momentum. Um, and so I know there's been a little bit more of a dust up in Lubbock. What, give us a little bit more details about what's going on, been going on there on this issue. Well, Planned Parenthood 
ended up, this was back in 2020, we found out that Planned Parenthood was going to open up shop in Lubbock, Texas. And we didn't want that to become a reality. And so Senator Charles Perry and Representative Dustin Burroughs and John Frulo wrote a letter to the mayor and city council encouraging them to pass a sanctuary city for the unborn ordinance. And we gave them one. The mayor and city council didn't want to touch the issue. In fact, every single one of them went on the radio shows and were just very public about their opposition to the measure. When there was a lot of pressure, they reached out to a, a law firm in Houston that had family ties to Planned Parenthood. And big surprise, the law firm said you shouldn't pass the ordinance. Uh, yeah, so I wonder if that's the same um, if that's the same law firm that uh, was responsible for having a service processor sent to my home about a year ago. Uh, and it was really strange because I saw a note on my uh, door that was kind of stuck to my door and it had a phone number and it was a business card of a, a process server. And so, um, and as a lawyer, I have some familiarity with that. So I, um, I called the guy and he said, uh, let me call you back. We're not, you know, quite ready to bring this document over. And I'm like, well, what is it? And he said, well, it was, I'm serving you with a lawsuit. And, um, said, all I can tell you is the name of the law firm. And I looked up the name of the law firm and it was one of the main law firms that's been involved in representing abortion entities. So he never came back though. They never actually served me with a lawsuit. So, you know, I guess, I don't know why they backed down, but I did find that interesting because those groups have been doing that. They've been uh, suing people. They've been adding people to litigation. I think in many ways to, to intimidate or to, you know, sort of a, make you aware of the price you're going to pay if you're very committed to this issue, because you get pulled into a lawsuit. I mean, for your average person, that's going to make life real difficult. It's not going to matter that much to me as a lawyer. I'm certainly going to have to be prepared and bring other people alongside me. But, um, you know, I, I think a lot of those things have been happening. So um, 48 cities, does that include this week? Because I know this week you had a couple of cities in Texas was it on election day where they voted on these issues? Uh, yes. And now with the Lubbock story, what happened? Lubbock voted on this uh, May of 2021 uh, and it passed. There was a lawsuit, but they survived that. And abortion remains uh, remained banned uh, there, shut down the abortion operations at Planned Parenthood. Wow. Well, that led to other cities saying, look, if Lubbock did this, we want to do it as well. And so on election night this year, we ended up seeing uh, the cities of Abilene and Athens and Plainview and San Angelo all pass ordinances. The, we, all, we won every single one of them. Well, and look, San Angelo and, and Abilene, you know, those are pretty good sized cities. I mean, that's not, you know, population 50. I mean, I don't know what the population there are. Some of those cities, I would imagine you know, they might be between 10 to 15,000 or somewhere in that range. You may know. I don't know. So Abilene is about 124,000. Okay. See, I'm not even close. Yeah, it's a big city. I mean, you know, one of your larger cities, particularly in that area of the state. Well, I always tell people too, that we always have this, uh, people say that, you know, 
Austin and Houston and New York and all these other large cities that those are the standard. But in reality, if we look at the cities in America, the U.S. Census Bureau says that the there's about 20,000 cities in America. The majority of those cities, 76% of those cities are 5,000 people and less. Yeah. And 42% of those cities are less than 500. And so a city like Abilene, which is 124,000, is Abilene's a really big city. Uh, yeah, when, that's a, they're the you know, exception. And San Angelo is a uh, little over 100,000. Uh, Athens is about 14,000. And uh, Plainview is about 22,000. And yeah. so all pretty large cities when you're looking at America and the average size city of, you know, being uh, less than 5,000. Yeah, I mean, and that means that sometimes it can be a little bit more challenging to get those things passed. And so you do that in some larger cities. Uh, that says something. I mean, because those people have a lot of people to respond to, gets a lot more attention and all those different dynamics that goes along with it. Um, I wonder if you've been able to see anything relevant to this as far as what's going on in the city after an ordinance is passed. I mean, it, does it seem to um, lead to, to more of a pro-life environment as far as the culture? I mean, what anything, any takeaways that you see in these cities after these ordinances are passed? It tends to really show the caliber of leadership. When we passed this in Lubbock, we saw leading up to this, I mean, the mayor and city council were completely against this in Lubbock. Well, once we got this passed, the people were wanting to make sure to do everything they could to keep this uh, on the books. And so uh, they started going after the council members and the mayor that were against the ordinance, which was all of them. And one by one, those those elected officials have either chosen not to run or they've been replaced. And I'm talking about in really incredible numbers. Uh, one of the council members, Randy Christian, uh, I believe he only got 15 percent of the votes in his last uh, election as an incumbent. 15 uh, percent. That's yeah, a that's wild. That's almost unheard of. We're talking with Mark Lee Dixon. He is one of the leaders for Rights of Life of East Texas, but certainly the leader of the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn movement in the state of Texas. It's now taking place in other states. Most recently, too, a victory in Hobbs, New Mexico. Our one of our border states, you know, our friends to the I don't know, that's to the west. Um, and, it, and it's notable because. I think New Mexico is probably the only state that borders Texas now that is not in one way or another largely pro-life. And so, uh, you know, hopefully that'll have some momentum. I want to um, spend some time on this, though, because, look, this is all happening in a year that Roe versus Wade was overturned. But you didn't know that was going to happen. None of us did. Right. We were hoping for it. And there was a lot of optimism. But I, I find it interesting. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If some of these efforts and you and I, you know, um, uh, you're directly involved in, in a lawsuit that strikes at the free speech rights of some of these issues, too, that's been up at the Texas Supreme Court. We've been supporting it as well. There's been some other dynamics here that you've had to navigate. Right. As you've been you know, more identified as a leader. And I guess for some people, they see it as a target. 
um, and to do some damage to the pro-life movement. But none of this, you know, I, I think some of your activity, you could argue, has created an environment for the Supreme Court and other people to see that you pass something like this, the sky doesn't fall, and there's not a tremendous amount of outrage. Is Planned Parenthood going to get upset about it? Sure. But, um, you know, it, it largely matches what people in those areas support. Uh, but it is interesting that all this is sort of happening. And I wonder if you've gotten a little bit more momentum boost with Roe versus Wade being overturned. Well, yes and no. Uh, some people are of the belief that since Roe v. Wade is overturned, then we don't have to do anything now. And, <laughs> right. yeah. you know, I found that I'm way busier now than I was before uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned. And so it's it's a lot of work. And we're seeing the misinformation machine is at an all time high. We had people in at, there was one person in Nebraska that was sending out uh, mail outs and, you know, making these emails and phone calls to people. And she was telling people that women have died in cities in Texas that have passed these sanctuary city for the unborn ordinances. And how do we respond to that? We have to respond and say, look, there's no woman that has died from a sanctuary city for the unborn ordinance. And we ask them to prove it and they can't prove it. Uh, they just say, well, you should know. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you should know something that's not true. Well, you know, and, but I do think um, it's interesting because um, when you look at the, these issues, you know, maybe you might've snuck up on some people earlier, right? You know, people are, are almost dismissive, like, oh, you know, what's that effort? That's, you know, almost kind of, you know, sort of ignoring it or not taking it seriously, right? And now they're like, whoa, wait a minute, Roe versus Wade is overturned. We better get our act together or a lot of these things could be passing. States could be passing things like this because just for our listeners to be reminded and viewers, the overturning of Roe versus Wade by the Dobbs v. Jackson case out of Mississippi did not say that now abortion is illegal throughout the country. It simply took away the right of the court to make that decision and return the power, if you will, for the states through the people to decide, but also at the federal level. The federal government could come in, Congress could vote and say, we're making abortion illegal throughout the country. That's what they're trying to do, right? That's what President Biden's trying to do. He's trying to codify the Roe versus Wade decision. He's trying to make that a law because before it wasn't a law, it was a Supreme Court opinion. Um, but we saw that issue be a major um, topic and campaign message for Beto O'Rourke in Texas. He talked a lot about the abortion issue, supporting abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy. And I think it's at least uh, safe to say or to make this inference that that message was rejected by the state of Texas. Uh, and so the life issue was on the ballot, not just in the cities you were working on, but really through some candidates throughout the state. Absolutely. And I, I heard someone say this this morning that those uh, those states where the governors actually, the Republican go governors talked about abortion, uh, the candidates talked about abortion, they did well. Uh, and the ones that didn't talk about abortion, if we look at Ron Ketty over in New Mexico, Ron Ketty didn't do as well. Uh, Ron Ketty did avoid the the subject of abortion quite a bit. And 
I think maybe if he talked uh, more about abortion, then we would have saw a different outcome in New Mexico. Uh, of course, New Mexico has a lot of problems. Uh, I think there's some election problems that, you know, at the, the polls as well. But but still, uh, we can't avoid the topic of abortion. Governor Grisham in uh, New Mexico, she talked about it nonstop. In fact, the night before Election Day, she was tweeting about the extremists in Texas coming over to New Mexico. And, and, you Did know, she mention you by name. She just said the, the <laughs> Texan extremists. Uh, so you need to put that on your, that, that'll be your license plate, uh, <laughs> your specialty license plate. So uh, we're talking with Mark Lee Dixon, who is a leader in the organization Rights of Life of East Texas, also the leader of the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn movement. This is, a movement that puts ordinances in local cities and makes the city pro-life and doesn't allow for abortion in the city or abortion entities to operate. And look, I mean, a lot of lives have been saved. Even before Roe versus Wade was overturned with the heartbeat law, with some of the work that you're doing, it's been quite an extraordinary uh, year. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person tomorrow. On Friday, November 11th, Mark Lee Dixon's going to be at our gala. This is the Texas Values Gala, the annual gala in the Dallas area. We're going to be celebrating 10 years, 10-year anniversary. And your good friend, Senator Brian Hughes, is going to be there as well. That's not the surprise. There's something else. But he'll be there, and we'll look forward to seeing you all there together. And, and look, I just want to, as we conclude our time with you, I, I just want to commend the work that you're doing um, we've talked a little bit about it uh, privately when we've uh, we've been in our event and in other ways, anything we can do to continue to support it um, and let you know that we've got your back and that it's been tremendously valuable to the work we do. And so, and we appreciate you being our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Thank you. Great to be here. All right. It was good to have Mark Lee Dixon on with us for a little while. Man, we probably could have gone for an hour. There is a lot to discuss and unpack on the pro-life issue. There's a lot to discuss and unpack on the election issues as it relates to this, but he's right. I mean, a lot of pro-life groups, number one, are saying their work is picked up, but number two, they're saying there are a lot of people that they're encountering saying, hey, we're done. We overturned Roe versus Wade. So, and that's not true. It is significant. I mean, it's probably one of the most important Supreme Court decisions ever. Dobbs v. Jackson decision, which overturned Roe versus Wade. But it doesn't mean the work's over, right? And the other side knows that, right? They're they're in panic mode, but they realize that it's not game over. It just means, uh, you know, some of the circumstances of the game and the rules, if you will, have been changed. And now there's a different way that the game is going to be played. But it has given our side, if you will, the pro-life side, a tremendous advantage or at least took away a real key weapon that the other side had every time we try to pass pro-life laws. Oh, well, Roe versus Wade, what are you going to do about it? So uh, we're going to be talking a lot about that tomorrow at our gala. If you can see my little handout here, uh, that is Kaylee McEnany, former, former, excuse me, former White House press secretary for President Trump. She has a wonderful pro-life testimony that she's going to talk about. Also, her Christian testimony of how important her Christian faith has been through a lot of different important things that she's done, not only working at the White House, being a law student at Harvard Law and working in other high level areas, particularly in government and campaigns and being a part of this legacy that is a part of the Trump administration legacy of overturning Roe versus Wade, putting three judges on the court 
that had a direct role in Roe versus Wade being overturned. You can't overstate that. And I'm looking forward to having her in Texas, the state where Roe versus Wade came from. And so it's going to be a wonderful night, Friday, November 11th. We still have a few tickets left. Would love to see you there. Celebrate with us. 10 years. We're going to be, we're going to walk a little bit down memory lane. As a matter of fact, we've been doing some things to prepare and I've been getting all like, you know, emotional and nostalgic. And I'm like, wow, remember this. Wow. Remember that Uh, because it can fly by, but it's just a reminder too of not only how, you know, I've changed, I might have a little few more gray hairs, but how a lot of the issues that we're working on have changed and, and how concerning that is. But one thing that has not changed is the work we do at Texas Values. It's only increased, and we think we're doing a better job of it, and we need to, to protect faith, family, and freedom in Texas. You may like like our work and be thinking, how can I support you? We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can make a donation today at txvalues.org. You can make a donation to the event. If you can't come to the gala, but you want to help support the event, help sponsor it, Go to the Gala website or go to our main website and make that donation today. Our collective budget's about $2 million. So we have to raise a lot of money every month to pay the bills, to have about 15 people a part of our team to do the work we do statewide. So consider that. And I hope to see you at our gala. Maybe you already got a ticket. You're looking forward to it. Maybe you're sponsoring um, a table. It's going to be a great night. Um, I'm looking forward to being there, seeing a lot of great friends and a lot to celebrate And a little bit to discuss, right? I mean, the election results made it very clear. In Texas, when you run statewide pushing abortion, pushing transgender ideology, um, being against religious freedom, uh, pushing back against school choice, you're going to lose. The majority of people in Texas are not on that side of these issues. Uh, The majority of people are pro-life. They support religious freedom. Beto O'Rourke ran strongly on the issue of abortion. He made that one of the key issues that he talked about and campaigned on and he sort of bet on and, and he lost. I mean, he won, he lost by double digits. So the people of Texas rejected those uh, views and ideology. And, and we're grateful for that because um, we're very much a pro-life um, and religious liberty organization. Those are uh, part of the two or three pillars and, and marriage and family is the other one. So listen, please consider supporting us at txvalues.org as we get closer to the end of the year. Make that tax deductible donation today and you can help us protect faith, family and freedom in the state of Texas. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.